Hi, welcome to the Landscape Cranes Cleveland podcast. We are presented with the support of Weatherhead Executive Education at Case Western Reserve University. I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for spending some time with us. For the first time in 16 years, Cleveland has a new mayor as nonprofit executive Justin Bibb defeated Cleveland City Council President Kevin Kelly in this past Tuesday's election. Also, all the city council seats in the city of Cleveland were also up for a vote. Now that the dust is cleared, here to help us make sense of some of the numbers and this very interesting election is our own Kim Palmer, who covers government policy for Cranes. Kim, welcome back to the landscape. Good to be back. We're going to have to figure uh, something to talk about now that uh, our election is over, huh? I think the next year or two is going to give us plenty to talk about. Starting with a year ago, if you asked Clevelanders, do you know who Justin Bibb is? And they would say, no, I do not. How did he pull this off? How did he go from a 1% name recognition ranking to uh, being the mayor of Cleveland? Good question, Dan. Um, Really, Justin Bibb, uh, along with getting the jump on all the other candidates in this race, because he didn't wait for sort of the nod or didn't wait for uh, Frank Jackson to make his official announcement that he wasn't going to run like a lot of other candidates, including Kevin Kelly. Uh, Because he got that early jump, I really think it helped with his lack of name recognition. When we look at the figures, I mean, this was not a razor close margin. Bib won by a size of a margin. Were you surprised at how many votes he won by? You know, um, I will have to give you a little personal information that I live uh, in the Detroit Shoreway area. And if you were going by the old, you know, tried and true, uh, how many yard signs there were uh, definitely on these near uh, west side parts of the city, uh, the downtown area, you know, you would have not been completely surprised because the presence of his campaign was was really felt in some of these up and coming and uh, younger and more developed areas in the city. One election doesn't change the political landscape completely in Cleveland, but does this say something about where things might be going and changing in the guard or, or a different direction for Cleveland politics? Or is this sort of we have to wait and see how this plays out over the next four years? The fact that these voters from Detroit, Shoreway and downtown and Ohio City really had this outsized effect on the election. Well, I mean, uh, we are seeing a bit of a sea change in Cleveland as far as leadership across all the uh, specters and uh, go. Uh, we're, we're seeing, you know, some some older CEOs uh, step down. Uh, we've seen a movement at, say, GCP, the Greater Cleveland Partnership and um, Fund for Economic Future. Uh, going to the leadership roles to to the next generation. In fact, some of the CEOs that uh, CEOs or presidents of these organizations who are stepping down are doing it, saying that specifically that is what they are looking to do to bring in the next generation and to just kind of you know hand over the reins to uh, to that new group with different ideas. In his concession speech, Mr. Kelly congratulated Mr. Bibb and said he would put the campaign behind him, not hold any grudges. This wasn't a particularly acrimonious campaign, I thought. And we've had a lot nastier Cleveland mayoral races in the past, haven't we? No, this this is true. Well, there's been, I, I believe, punches thrown between two candidates back, uh, you know, before our day or, you know, in the beginning of our days, I should say. Uh, this absolutely was not that. And even though you know, supporters got a little testy, I would say, about maybe uh, some PAC money that was being spent and some flyers that were, you know, uh, would go after a candidate in a negative way. There really weren't that many of those. And uh, as far as the the person-to-person um, campaigning, it, it really wasn't an, an anti 
this person um, or anti that person. It, it, it was a pretty friendly, um, pretty friendly duel between the two. Kevin Kelly made it a big issue out of issue 24, which ended up passing. This is the civilian oversight uh, thing for the police, the police review board, uh, which Bibb supported. Do you think that backfired in any way on Kelly coming out so strongly against it? It's it's hard to tell. Uh, the thing about issue 24 is um, uh, that it didn't do as well as Bibb did as far as the percentage of, of votes that it received to pass. So that means that there were people that voted for Justin Bibb in that sort of maybe more progressive idea of him as a leader, but didn't vote for issue 24. Um, so there's uh, there are some real questions Anytime you have one of these ballot citizen initiated uh, ballot issues, uh, these aren't people who always write uh, laws for a living, uh, work on policy for a living. This issue is it's a little thin as far as an explanation of of how it's going to work. And 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 there hasn't been a lot of uh, effort put into what the consequences of of uh, implementing this this issue is going to be so um, there were there were definitely people who were uh, yeah hesitant of you know of of passing that even if they were uh, supporting Justin Bibb and his more you know uh, progressive cause if you can call it that. Mr. Bibb takes over on January 3rd. It's going to be an interesting time as the COVID dollars are going to start flowing into Cleveland, whether they're for infrastructure or uh, build back or, or COVID relief dollars. A lot of money will be coming to the city. He faces an interesting challenge. People will certainly be keeping an eye on how he negotiates that. Does he have connections to the Biden administration? Do we know? Has he talked much about how he wants to deal with this? Bib did it uh, came out of the Obama administration, and so when Biden was vice president, uh, Don Graves, who's the deputy secretary of the Commerce Department, uh, his relationship with Don Graves, who's that department has uh, a lot of programs and a lot of money under their belt right now. Not that you know that gets us any special treatment, but one can hope, I guess. Uh, but yeah, we're talking uh, right now, you know, we're talking about a $3 billion pot for a Build Back Better regional challenge that uh, different um, organizations, both here in Northeast Ohio and all over the state are going after. So this is some real money, not not even mentioning the five, you know, million plus dollars that's coming in just uh, just from COVID relief money. So this is, I, I imagine it's a good place to be to have that sort of backing to be able to spend your first year, you know, figuring uh, what to do with these one-time funds. When we look at what Bib promised voters, what did he tell them? What does he have to now fulfill over these next few years? That's a good question. This campaign was a little less on specifics and a little bit more about these two candidates and what they represented. In his acceptance speech last night, Bib did talk about, you know, uniting the entire city, the east side and the west side, and and working together um, to move forward. Uh, he also talked uh, in a um, editorial meeting with Cranes about bringing um, a lot of expertise into his administration and and, and as his uh, uh, people who are going to consult him. So it's a, a little bit broader strokes um, that, you know, it'll be interesting when, when he gets in there to really see, you know, what are the first initiatives and um, what are the first things that he puts a stamp on. But I, I really think this, uh, 
this election was maybe about bigger ideas and and maybe really about the two candidates and what they represented to the people who were voting for them more than detailed uh, plans uh, going forward. People love political outsiders, but once those outsiders get in, they find themselves having to deal with entrenched interests. Does Biv have allies already on city council or are people that are going to be able to go help him go to bat for what he wants to do? A lot of times the people entrenched interests will just say, you might not be here in four years. We'll wait you out. I mean, how do you think this is going to play out? Bib definitely has uh, friends on council. Um, he was uh, backed by Carrie McCormick, uh, who is a council member who you know possibly could be in the running for council president. Um, we're also thinking about uh, Blaine Griffin as possible um, council president. And I know that he was making the rounds to the different council members' watch parties last night. You know shaking hands and congratulating people. Um, so it, he also has some new members of council that, you know, it's a fresh start uh, with some of these members and some of them also supported him uh, in his run. So uh, that, and like I said, $500 million might might go a long way in making friends uh, with with not only the establishment, but other, other politicians. Kim Palmer covers government and policy for Cranes Cleveland. She joins us for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. We're presented with support of Weatherhead Executive Education at Case Western Reserve University. Kim, the city council seats were all up for grabs last night as well, all 17. I think, we, if I remember correctly, 12 incumbents won. There were three open seats and a couple of incumbents lost. Let's talk about a couple of those losses, um, starting with Ward 5, where Dolores Gray was defeated. She was appointed to the seat, correct, but wasn't able to retain it? It's true. Um, yeah, she was appointed um, to the seat and uh, she wasn't really there very long. You know, I'm sure there, there's always a learning curve in these in these instances. But um, she did. I have to check my notes because there were so many seats that were open. Uh, so I just want to make sure because Dolores also has a twin sister who ran for another seat. And that can get a little confusing. Uh, she did win her seat. And I'm just wondering what her, you know, the what it was like at their house with uh, Deborah and Dolores and, and what it would have been like on council with both of them, you know, it, it probably as confusing as to their mom. So Dolores is out on Cleveland Ward 5. Uh, she'll be replaced by uh, Richard Starr, um, who did get a little over 50% of the vote. Um, the seat had been held by Phyllis Cleveland, a longtime uh, councilwoman who left because of an illness. Um, so I really think that seat was, you know, was in question. Um, anytime you have a uh, someone replaced, uh, chosen to replace a seat, you know, uh, there can always be a question of whether or not they can last through an election. Although we did see others make it through the election, like Jenny Spencer, for example, uh, in, in the Detroit Shoreway area. So Dolores lost in Ward 5, but her sister, the twin one, Deborah won in Ward 4, a ward that's seen a lot of controversy over the last few years. Yes, that's the Ken Johnson ward. Uh, Ken Johnson, um, a, one of the the councilmen who uh, was tried in a federal court and found guilty and will spend some time in prison for uh, corruption, along with a few other people uh, that he is either related to or not related to. We're not really sure. Uh, a bit of a mess over there. So um, it's good to have a clean uh, slate and uh Marion Gardner was the replacement for Ken Johnson, but she had said that she wasn't going to seek election, that she was just a placeholder uh, and that she would be there uh, just to hold down the fort until the election. 
I think one of the wards that was watched closely was in Ward 7, where Bashir Johnson gave up his seat to run for mayor. And a former holder of that seat ran against another person who had held the seat with with Housen and uh, Dow. Yes. uh, You know, bring out your scorecard on this one. Uh, It's a little back and forth. Um, So uh, Bashir Jones had left uh, and he came in, uh, I believe, Fourth in the uh, primary, uh, the actual mayoral primary, but that wasn't good enough to make it to the general election. He uh, is out of that seat. I'm pretty sure we are going to see Bashir Jones again. He backed Kelly in this in this election, but um, is a radio show and he has a lot of uh, contacts and uh, support on the east side. But uh, yes, Stephanie House uh, is back in the seat that she once was in, lost to TJ Dow, and is now back in. So, you know, um, stay tuned to see what comes with the next election. Another one of the open seats was President Kelly's seat in Ward 13, which featured an interesting race. Yeah. um, Kate Warren versus uh, Chris Harsh. Uh, Kate Warren is a lawyer, kind of a lead activist. Chris worked for the uh, Metro West Community Development Organization. Uh, This was a pretty well campaigned, both campaigned pretty hard for the seat. You know, in the end, uh, Chris won out um, and uh, Kate Warren said in a concession email or tweet, I can't remember which one that, uh, you know, that it wasn't the um, outcome that she wanted, but that, uh, you know, stay tuned that she'll be back. You mentioned Jenny Spencer. She keeps her seat in Ward 15 uh, with the recommendation of Matt Zone. And then in Ward 17, we see another person who's sticking around for another term. Yeah, Jenny replaced Matt Zone when he left, um, longtime uh, holder of that uh, that seat on council. And uh, she won pretty uh, handily, about 80% of the vote with all the precincts coming in. And then Charles Slife also was uh, placed in that position this time uh, when Marty Keene left. Again, another longtime uh, council member uh, who, who picked their replacement shortly before, well, in 2019 before the election. We often think to ourselves, if we don't vote, well, what difference does my vote make? My one vote doesn't make a difference. But if you were in Ward 12, your one vote really did make a difference. It's, you know, because we didn't have, you know, and I, I did ask for a bigger turnout last time we did this, but uh, we got about a 26% turnout. And when that is the case, you're talking about thousands of, you know, votes under 2000 votes. In this case, that was in Ward 12, where we saw... Um, uh, again, 16-year veteran of the city council, Anthony Brancatelli, uh, lose to Rebecca Marr, and um, by about, you know, and not all the the uh, mail-ins are in yet. There might be some more absentee or provision ballots will be counted, but we're looking at about 70 vote difference there. When we look at the uh, Brancatelli leaving council, as well as uh, President Kelly, it's a lot of institutional knowledge that won't be part of that body anymore. Yeah, that's a combined 30, uh, 30 plus years of, uh, of institutional knowledge and two members were really uh, very engaged, you know, in, in the council, uh, very rarely missed uh, committee meetings, council meetings, and were kind of the backbone of, you know, a good part of what got done there. You could always uh, ask Anthony Brancatelli how you know, how many permits or what dollar amount you put on the permits that were pulled for downtown construction. And he would know it right off of the top of his head. So, you know, stay tuned. I think that's another stay tuned to see uh, where he ends up as, as January rolls, rolls around. 
in the U.S. House of Representatives race that a contest that wasn't expected to be very close, and it certainly was not with with uh, Chantel Brown besting uh, Laverne Gore. Yeah, that was an eighty twenty win uh, for uh, Chantel Brown. Um, not anything too surprising, considering the uh, you know the partisan makeup of the district that she was running for. Uh, Laverne Gore being uh, the Republican uh, challenger. Uh, Laverne Gore also doesn't you know. She's a, a radio talk show host, uh, doesn't have a background really in politics. So I think um, we uh, not too surprising that this was the outcome there. So now that the dust has cleared, what comes next? We, we wait for a new Bib administration and they start preparing, I guess, for the U.S. Senate to race for Senator Portman's seat. Oh, yes. We don't we don't get too much of a break right on these um on these elections, we, we will be looking at the Senate race for 2022, and that is promising to be very interesting. I'm sure we'll have a few conversations about that. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, it'll be very interesting to see who uh, goes into City Hall with Justin Bibb. Uh, are there, are there going to be a lot of names that we know? You know, people that have been around, or is it going to be, is it going to be uh, some new faces? Um, another thing that you know, I'll be looking at is Mayor Justin Bibb's relationship with Columbus, uh, with the administration down there, and and then of course now, you know, as we're looking more and more federal programs, uh, Mayor Justin Bibb and his relationship outside of Ohio, and whether that might be, uh, you know, help revitalize the area, which which is promised with some of these dollars coming in. I heard an interview with uh, Mr. Bibb, and we'll close with this. He talked about he felt that he knew he was in good shape when he received the endorsement from the plane dealer. But I also was surprised to see that Mayor Mike White endorsed him. Not that I have any knowledge of why he did or didn't, but Mr. White really hasn't involved himself in all that much politics since his leaving office. Well, if you ask around, I think people will say that uh, former Mayor Mike White hasn't involved himself very uh, publicly in politics uh, around town. But, uh, you know, uh, you can take the the man out of Cleveland, but (laughs) you can't take the Cleveland out of Mike White. He uh, he definitely is, you know, in the background and um, and he was very supportive of Justin Bibb, Uh, whether or not that was something that put uh, Bibb over the top or not. I I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, he's definitely been, you know, been a Bibb fan from from the beginning. Well, thank you for sharing some thoughts on this very interesting race. I think this is when the political analysts will be studying for a while. A newcomer without much name recognition takes over a big city. So we wish best of luck to Mr. Bibb and thank you for joining us today. And we thank you as well for joining us for The Landscape. We are presented with the support of Weatherhead Executive Education at Case Western Reserve University. On behalf of our producer, Cody Smith, I'm Dan Paletta, and we'll talk again soon.